turn, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We will continue on with our study of 1 Corinthians together, <clears throat> hoping that God continues to teach us this morning about slowing down and loving others and having a biblical kind of love with that. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for an opportunity to gather together, to worship you through song, through through prayer, through study of your word. And we pray that um, as we study and read together uh, your revealed word to us, and we pray that you would speak to us, that we would not make this moment about ourselves, but instead we might recognize how truly wonderful and great you are. God, we thank you for the love that you have given to us and demonstrated to us. God, we pray that, um, that you would convict us out of love, discipline us out of love, so that we might um, understand who you are more. And God, as we are being transformed into your likeness, Lord, let us be willing to be shaped by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I was sitting in a doctor's office this week, and, uh, and I heard, overheard a conversation between uh, one of the doctors and a nurse, <clears throat> and the, the doctor was telling the nurse about the kindest thing that has ever happened to him. And uh, apparently someone in their office uh, decided that uh, they were in need of a meal. And so, so being in need of a meal, this person saw their need and decided to, to make them a meal and delivered that meal to their house. And the doctor kept going over and saying over and over and over again that that was the kindest thing that anyone had ever done for them. And I'm sure some of you would agree with that. Uh, maybe you've been in a time of, of despair or a time of hurt, or maybe it was a time of joy and somebody brought over a meal and you thought, man, this is the kindest thing that has ever, that has ever happened to me or to us. But can I just uh, biblically tell you right now, maybe reprimand you for a moment, that is not the kindest thing that has ever happened to you. And I want to just present to you this morning that, um, that God's love for you and what he's done for you is absolutely the kindest thing that has ever happened to you. So we're going to talk this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Last week we, we, we spoke a little bit of, about love and we talked about love being patient. And you read it together with me here. Uh, verse, uh, verse 4 says this, love is patient and love also is kind. So love is patient and kind. So we have these two things that go together. If, if I can just remind you for a moment, if you were in Sunday school, maybe you already discussed this a little bit. But if I can remind you for a moment about patient love, a love that is long-suffering. Remember, we, we talked about how um, you don't always say that uh, in your marriage vows, that I, I love you with a patient, long-suffering type of love. Like I'm entering this marriage so that I can suffer through it uh, with, uh, with the, the fact of love in mind or whatever. It's not how we enter into a marriage relationship or really to any relationship. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, welcome. Uh, I, want to know that you, I want you to know that this church loves you and will suffer because of our love for you. Those are the things that we normally or typically are saying. But if we're going to define love in the L and slow here, if we're going to slow down and actually abide by Christ's uh, rules or his commandments or abide in Christ, then we want to demonstrate or put into practice 
a biblical type of love. And the first description of a biblical type of love is a love that is patient. And as I already know by some who have shared with me uh, this morning, some of you were put into uh, some situations just this past week of needing to demonstrate a patient type of love, a, a love that is genuine, that is from the Lord, that's an agape type of love, but a love that is patient. You can think just for a moment, who is it that is in need of most of your patience? Who is it that's in need of most of your love? How do you deal with that person? We talked about uh, in some of the Sunday school discussion questions, uh, how, do you, how do you demonstrate or show patient love to your neighbor, to your God, to your spouse? to the cashier or the waitress, uh, to a, a, a person that you're working with, an employee or a co-worker? How are you demonstrating this Christ-like, patient love with people that you have opportunity to do that with this week? And my hope is this, that through the Holy Spirit working through you and through your abiding in Christ, that you're putting those things into practice, that we're developing this uh, consistent type of relationship with Christ, that we're not just looking forward to the huge moments in life, but we're okay with the everyday moments, that we're slowing down enough in this fast-paced world, this microwave society that we live in, we're slowing down just enough in order to demonstrate particularly this patient type of love. And then it says love is patient and kind. Kind means that you seek to serve others. That you have this patient and kind love, demonstrating kindness out of love. So I want to uh, just really share with you this morning three types of things here. Uh, that kind love demonstrates three types of things. It has a different motive. Kind love has a different motive. It leads to repentance and is forgiving. So if you want to write those things down, just in case I don't get through them all, here's the three points. Kind love has different motives. Kind love leads to repentance. And kind love is forgiving. Think for a moment about motives. Motives really matter. In your own life, uh, who, you, who you come in contact with, the people that you have an opportunity to love, it really matters about your motives. And I'm just going to warn you. I feel like I need to warn you. I may have to cut things short this morning, okay? So if you, if I just, if I end by praying, I know it's nothing that you're doing, okay? It's some stuff that's going on in my head right now that's causing me to have a little bit of vertigo. And so with that, if I just pray and end, know that you've already have enough of the scripture without me. Uh, just, just be mindful of that, okay? It's not you, it's me, okay? That's that type of love I'm talking about this morning, okay? So I'm trying not to look down too much so that I don't uh, stumble over and start gurgling on the, on the stage here. Kind love has different motives, motives that are out of genuine love for one another. Uh, uh, something that you, know, that you should be thinking about a lot is, why is it that you're loving someone? A lot of times we, we, we love people because we're seeking to have their approval. I want to show kindness to this person so they see my love for them, so that, they, they can, so that I can win their approval. As a follower of Jesus, we don't love for the sake of approval, but instead we love out of atonement for our sins. So we recognize that Christ has died for our sins. He's, he's replaced our life with, with his life. He's clothed us with his righteousness. And in so doing, extended kindness to us. And so our motives begin to change. No longer do we seek to, to have, uh, have uh, love for the approval of others. Look how great I am. But instead, we seek to love out of the uh, atonement that has been placed upon us. The, the love that Christ has extended to us. 
We also want to have a love that leads to repentance. Turn to Romans chapter 2. I'm going to sit down for this so I can read and not fall over. Turn to Romans chapter 2. This is probably really weird for you. Uh, Romans chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 together. It says this, Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. One of the things that happens to us in our society is because we live in a quick, fast-paced society and, and not a crockpot or a, 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 you know, like a slow-roasting society, uh, we live in this fast-paced society, we tend to judge more quickly. I mean, how, how easy is it for you? This is kind of fun, actually, Zach. How easy is it for you to, uh, to judge quickly, to pass judgment quickly? The word says this, uh, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. So when we live in a fast pace, go as fast as we can, we tend to pass judgment more quickly. And in so doing, we're not demonstrating patient and kind love. Instead, we're demonstrating impatient and unkind love by quickly passing judgment on, on others. Passing judgment on their sin, passing judgment on their character, passing judgment on their skin color, whatever the case may be, we begin to pass judgment quickly, and instead of slowing down and really looking at their character, what, what's really happening in their life, taking opportunity to be patient and to be kind and show and demonstrate the love of Christ, we quickly pass judgment. I'm going to read to you a story here in just a little bit where this very thing happens in John chapter 8. Verse 2 says this, We know that judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So no one's going to escape the judgment of God. We understand that. We're coming to a, a good a grasp on this. No one's going to escape the judgment of God. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So let's talk about these difficult relationships that you have. These relationships that you're needing to show long-suffering patience towards. The relationships that have lasted 40 years. Maybe you're Moses leading people in the desert for 40 years. And you're like, my goodness, has God not done enough for you? Why is it you, you cannot recognize the grace that God has given to you? Do you not see the love that's being bestowed upon you? And, you, and you're at the, the end of your patience. You're just at this moment where I know that biblical love is to show patience, but at this moment I don't want to show patience, nor do I want to show Kindness. And then we're reminded by uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that kindness, biblical loving kindness, leads to repentance. My hope for my own family is this that we recognize daily that we're part of a greater story. That, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a good story, the Thackerson story is a good story that we're a part of. But we want to recognize that we're a part of a greater story. I told you last week, or maybe I told somebody else, maybe it wasn't during the sermon. But when we were uh, fostering uh, a brother and sister that we fostered for a little while, Mandy and I spoke constantly about how difficult it was, uh, about how we wanted just to take control of the whole situation. Hey, we know what's best for these kids. Why is the state trying to keep telling us what's best? Uh, why does the parent 
who lost these children? Why, why should she even have a say in this relationship at all? We know what's best. And we kept saying we, like it was us. The story was about us. And then we had this moment where a reality set in. And it was like, wait a minute. There's a greater story in this in this story that's happening than just the Thackersons thinking that they're rescuing uh, this little girl and this little boy. The greater story would be that the entire tribe or the entire uh, clan or the entire family that these two kids came from would be reconciled to God. The greater story would be that our love would lead them to repentance. See, often we think, oh, the greater story is this, that I'm patient with somebody and that I'm kind to them and that they recognize that. And then in recognizing how patient and kind I am to them, then they see how great I am and I win their approval. Can I just tell you how great Matt is? Can I just tell you how wonderfully kind he is? He should win an award. of how He's the kindest guy in the world. Do you know how patient he is? I mean, for me, it sounds like a really good story, but I'm seeking your approval. And when you love out of the atonement that's been given to you through Christ, and when we love with a patient Christ-like love, and when we love with a kindness only that can come from being abiding in Christ and from a fruit of the Spirit, then the, then the hope is this, that that kindness and that patience leads to repentance. Listen, maybe you've, maybe you've forgotten this, and maybe because I feel really comfortable sitting down right now, and I feel a little bit bold for some reason. I have no idea what's going on psychologically. But listen, repentance, repentance and turning life over to the Lord is so much more important than being rescued from cancer. It's so much more important than having someone's approval for your life. No matter what accolades you have, no matter what awards you can win in high school, outside of high school, in college, outside of college, in life, whatever it is, no matter if you have every coffee cup that says world's greatest dad, it does not matter if repentance is not there. Kindness, loving kindness leads to repentance. Let me read it to you again, chapter four, or chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's Kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. We often think about and circle and live in the midst of our circumstances. Well, if God truly was kind, wouldn't he take me out of this current circumstance? If God was truly loving and patient and kind to me, wouldn't he change my circumstance? We have to get to the point in our walk with Christ, J.D. Greer and other preachers call it reaching Christianity to uh, 2.1 or 2.0 or whatever we want to call it, getting out of Christianity 101 and moving to Christianity 201. We have to get to a point in our relationship with Christ that we see that the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance is so much greater than any circumstance we're in. And instead of praying, Lord, change my circumstance, daily we should be praying, Lord, change my heart. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. Let me read it one more time to you. Or do you not presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So in our vertical uh, relationship with the Lord, when we're recognizing biblical, heavenly, agape, Christ-like love, we're, we're recognizing that His patience and His kindness leads us to repentance. Leads us to the point where we turn around and we say, life is not about 
me. Life is about the Lord because of what he's done, because of what he's doing, about, because about what he's going to do. This biblical loving kindness leads us to repentance. Turn to John chapter 8. We'll talk about uh, real quick about um, two different ladies here. Uh, one in John chapter 8 and one in Luke chapter 8. <clears throat> A moment where we see that Christ is slowing down in life. And uh, in, in these, these uh, great moments in, in history that's happening in Christ's life. And uh, we come to this moment where we have to deal with sin. And here's the, here's the great thing. You can read this in Romans chapter 11. Here's the incredible thing about our God. Not only does he deal with sin with severity, meaning that he will pour his wrath out on those who still have sin, but he also deals with sin with kindness. And so he gives a way for sin to be removed. So Romans 11 tells us that he, he deals with sin with severity, meaning there is severe punishment for sin, but he also provides a way through Jesus for sin to be removed in a loving, kind, generous, hospitable Savior type of way. He, he gives us this, uh, puts a, a, this loving kindness upon us. So we meet up with Jesus and these Pharisees and his disciples uh, who bring this woman before Jesus who is caught in sin. I mean, this morning, if I, if, I, if I prompted you and said, raise your hand if you have or have had or will sin, most of you, uh, because you have some knowledge of the Bible, would probably raise your hand. And so Jesus says this in, uh, in, in chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, verse 2 says this, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. I, I'm like Jesus this morning. Okay. Verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in their midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. So, so imagine it kind of in our context, in a contemporary context today. Imagine just this scenario. Here we are. We're in a, in a temple gathering, let's say, and someone uh, is brought forward who is caught in sin. Like we, we can all acknowledge it. Hey, we, we, we're able to see it somehow. We know that this woman or this man has been sinning. We, we've caught them in the act of it or whatever the case may be. We know that they are sinners. So we need to deal justly. We need to judge correctly. We need to deal with this person's sin correctly. What should we do? This happens to you every day. You hear stories about coworkers. I mean, how many of you this week, uh, I, I think it, I'm going to just call out Francis for a second. I think it was Francis telling me a story, and I was like, hey, I want to know more. You're not telling me enough details on this. Like, tell me more about this scenario, because my sinful flesh wants to know more about sins of others so I can judge them correctly, because that's how sin sinners work. We love to judge quickly and pick up rocks and are ready to throw stones at sin. So this is what happens. A teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, uh, it's commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? So we have this great moment that we get to see the character of God put on display. Remember Jesus Remember Jesus, a fully God and fully man. We get to see the character of God put on full display. Verse 6 says this. This they said to test him and they might have some, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. We wonder what he wrote, right? And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to stone her. So if you don't have sin... If you're free from sin, if you're perfect, pick up a stone, throw it at her, and stone her. 
It's interesting because he, sitting down, he stood up. The only one there, perfect enough to actually cast or throw a stone, stood up, professed, if you don't have sin, be the first one to cast this stone. So in this scenario, our Savior is the only one who could actually throw the rock. He's the only one who could actually judge this woman correctly, see her sin, throw the stone, and stone her to death because of her sin. Verse, six, uh, verse 8 says this, And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. So he stood up almost to say, Hey, I can. I can grab a stone and stone her because of her sin. I can judge correctly. I'm a righteous judge. I'm without sin. I'm perfect. I can pick up a stone and stone her. But instead, he sat down after saying that. Verse 9 says this, But when they had heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. So they all recognized at that moment that they are all sinners, that they all have sin. They hadn't been to the temple. They hadn't had atonement for their sins. They hadn't uh, sacrificed the perfect lamb. Uh, They hadn't done all the rituals that needed. They were still with sin. And Jesus called them out on it. He judged all of them in that scenario correctly. And yet his loving kindness, he did not not, um, deal with them with severity. Instead, he dealt with the Pharisees and the woman caught in sin with loving kindness. Oh, church, that we might deal also like that. Instead, how often do we want to pick up stones and break windows and throw stones at other sinners, even in our own midst, and pick up more stones and uh, fill our pockets full and be like David, and I'm going to take down all you sinner Goliaths around here because I see your sin. Why can't the church, the one place that's supposed to put on display Jesus, model patient and kind love. He goes on to say, Jesus says this, you still got a sin problem, woman. you still got a sin problem. And so what should my kindness lead to? When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone, and, the, and with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, you, you just wonder in this moment, like she's, she's had an incredible moment. All the Pharisees, the lawmakers, the law abiders, the ones who could stone her, left. And then Jesus, who stood up first and then sat back down. Now Jesus, who has every right because he is perfect, to deal with her sin with severity, you wonder if she began to tremble, right? Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go And from now on, sin no more. Did that lead her to repentance? Did she see the loving kindness of Jesus the Savior? The one person, the one being who could condemn, dealt with her with kindness, loving kindness. John 3.17. Maybe you have it memorized. You have 3.16 memorized. Uh, Your your homework this week is to memorize John 3.17 the other attribute of our Savior, another great attribute of our Savior. But he didn't just come to condemn the world, but instead to show loving kindness to the world. And we get to put that on display. Turn to Luke chapter 8. There was this, uh, this uh, Catholic priest. His name is, uh, is Charles de something. I can't pronounce his last name well, so I'm afraid I'm going to say a bad word, so I'm not going to say it, okay? Charles Day 
starts with an F. Okay, so uh, so we'll move on from there. Uh, but but he was a, a Catholic priest in the in the African country in, in the Sahara Desert uh, of Algeria. And uh, he's he his um, on his tombstone or on his gravestone when he died he was assassinated in 1916 uh, uh, kind of a martyr for his faith uh, he on his gravestone or tombstone he wanted the word these words put on there present to God and present to people school starts this week and I remember when I was a a child in middle school and high school and uh, how how it's so funny when the teacher was taking role and maybe this is like a maybe this is like a 90s thing or something so I'm sorry if this was if, if this was like your thing. When you were in school and you went to school back in the 20s or something, okay. So, um, so, uh, but when the teacher would call roll, uh, you know, most people just answered by saying here, you know, like Cooper here, you know, whatever. But then you had like the class count, which I, I just assume was Gary, who would say present, you know, and be like, ah, oh, so funny, he didn't say here, he said present, present to God, present to people. Uh, this was what this Catholic priest said. Uh, he he sought his whole life to slow down, to take advantage of those slow moments. So that he can make his life present to God. And when God would call his name, hey Charles, present, I'm here. I'm ready to listen to you. I'm slowed down enough to see what you desire of me. And then he said, moving on with that, I want to be present to people. I want to slow down enough that I have time to show loving kindness to people. Now we don't have time for that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't. I mean, yesterday... We were at the fiddle contest, and uh, a lady got bombed by sour cream. I'm not even sure what happened, Kelly, Mandy. I don't even know. You guys were there. She got bombed by sour cream. And I had, like, this convicting moment in my heart because I'm looking at this lady with sour cream. And you, the lady may even be in here. I'm sorry if you are. Uh, at this, this moment where sour cream is all over her, on her back, and her hair. It, she has it everywhere. I'm not even sure what happened. And they're talking about it, and I'm just, like, standing behind her, like, just shaking my head, like, man, poor lady. She's got sour cream all over. I'm like looking at spots all over her back. And then I had that moment of like taking a deep breath, present to God, present to people. Maybe I should help her remove the sour cream. And it was really awkward for her, and I'm sure it was awkward for everyone because this great-looking guy leans over and says, hey, can I wipe the sour cream off your back? You know, And she's like, oh, absolutely, sir. Wow, how kind. I don't know why you're laughing at that. Luke chapter 8, this, this thing happens. We'll catch up to Jesus and his disciples in, in uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, uh, for they were all waiting for him. And, I, and there came a man named J- Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And failing at, uh, falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Uh, this is an incredible, uh, traumatic, incredibly traumatic moment for this for this father. You've been in this moment in your life. Maybe not the same scenario, but you've been in this moment where nothing else in the world matters except for the very moment that you're in, and you're in desperate need of someone to come and to help you. And so, who cares what else is going on? I see Jesus, and I want Jesus to stop everything else he's doing, and I want him to come to my aid. Because my daughter is dying. And so as Jesus went, the people pressed around him. This large crowd was around him. Many tasks also to be done. A number of people who are in need. A number, a number of people who are in need of patience, who are in need of kindness, who are in need of mercy, who are in need of compassion, who are in dire need of forgiveness. 
crowd pressing around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. For 12 years, she'd been dealing with the same thing. A constant, a constant issue, a constant trouble. Jesus on his way to go heal this dying child. Jesus on his way, making his way through this crowd, through all these things that are going on, and this woman spots him. She spent all her money trying to be healed by these physicians, these earthly physicians, but nothing is working, and so she sees Jesus. Verse 44 says this, She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Her issue was solved. She was healed simply by touching Jesus. Now, if we're living in a fast-paced society, if Jesus is a contemporary Jesus and he's working in today's world, doing kingdom work in today's world, maybe he, for a moment, recognizes that somebody touches him, but because we live in a microwave society, he continues on. But there's a task that I have to complete. There's something that's more important than this particular scenario. But thanks be to God that Jesus is not like us, right? Instead, this is what happens, verse 45. And Jesus said, who is it that touched me? You kind of, maybe you can put this in your mind for a second. Like I pictured that he stopped, that he's walking, maybe even at a slow pace. But he's walking, making his way, this journey through life, we'll say. And he stopped and he said, who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, oh, I didn't, I didn't touch you. Like even though the crowd is pressing around him, nobody, everybody was afraid of him because of his severity, because of what might happen from God, right? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounding and are pressing in on you. Like Peter pointed out the obvious. A number of people are touching you. Like there's a lot of people around here, Jesus. What do you mean? Stay focused. You've got a task to complete. Don't, uh, don't, don't stop now. You've got something really important to go on to. Why are you slowing down? Why are you stopping? But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And verse 47 says this, And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Remember I talked about Romans chapter 11? So here's what happens. When people become in awe of Jesus, when people become in awe of God, they approach him with fear and trembling. Many of you have dealt with this. You've told me this already. Like, I'm just afraid to come into the presence of the Lord. Why are you afraid? Because of my sin. Rightly so. Your sin should be punished. My sin should be punished. But don't you understand the loving kindness of our Savior that has removed your sin despite who you are, that he bestowed on us his loving kindness, not because of any righteous thing that you've done, but all because of him. And so this woman, knowing she came to Jesus and she touched him because she knew that only through him would she ever be healed, approaches him with fear and trembling, ready for his wrath to be poured out on her. Woman, why did you touch me? Don't you know I'm busy? I'm going to save a, a little girl who's dying. Don't you know I have important things to do? Like your little issue of 12 years, why, why is it? You, you, you've, you've bothered me too much. I mean, you can kind of maybe even relate to her. She's coming to him with trembling. 
falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And verse 48 says this, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, loving kindness, loving kindness leads to repentance. With the woman who was caught in adultery, with this particular woman here in Luke chapter 8, like no doubt when Jesus said those words, you're healed, you're, not, you're no longer condemned, go in peace, repentance happens. Not because of force or wrath, but because of the loving kindness of our Savior. And you as believers, as followers of Jesus, you have an opportunity this week to extend the same thing. Make people aware of condemnation. Make people aware of the need of being saved from the wrath of God. Make people aware of what happens if sin is not removed from their life. But make them aware that that sin can be removed only from Jesus. The last word I want to read to you is from Titus chapter 3. I'd love for you to memorize the whole chapter. So that's your second part of your homework. John John 3.17, but also Titus chapter 3. But I'm only going to point out to you a couple of verses here. Titus chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 4. It says this. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on you, on us richly through Jesus, through Jesus Christ our Savior. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of your works or any act of righteousness, but because of Him. And I think when our vertical relationship with the Father through the Son recognizes the grace and kindness and patience of our Lord, then undoubtedly the horizontal relationships with our neighbors, with our spouse, with our friends, with our co-workers begin to show and demonstrate the grace that God has given us, the loving kindness that He has given us. Let me read you this quote from J.D. Greer. He says this, A spirit of unforgiveness and a lack of generosity is an indication that you are out of touch with the grace of God in your life. Like Just a convicting moment. If you have a hard time being patient, if you have a hard time being kind, get on your knees and beg the Father. Would you remind me of the kindness you've given to me? Would you remind me of your grace so that when I stand up, I drop rocks, I stop condemning, I stop judging, and instead I show loving kindness and loving patience with others because of the atonement for my sins, because of what Christ has done for me. Let me pray for you. Jesus, help us to slow down. Help us to be present to you, God. Help us not to be people who are quick to react to moments that are in need of thought, of prayer, of grace, of kindness, of love. Lord, help us through your Holy Spirit 
to slow down and take time to show loving kindness. God, thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. So Lord, help us this morning in this next few moments to be willing to repent, to be willing to turn around, to be willing to seek heart change. Lord, thank you that your love is patient with us and kind to us. And thank you that you giving us those things and us abiding in you can also produce the fruit of kindness, of patience, of forgiveness, of peace. Lord, help us as a church, as the people belonging to you, to be convicted of our motives when we need to be, to be willing to seek your your discipline in order to love people as you desire us to love people. God, help us to respond to you in a way that, that gives you the glory. God, help us not to be people who move quickly from task to task, even if they're good things. Help us be people who are willing to slow down, take time to see your kindness, what you've given to us, and also to give that kindness to others. Lord Jesus, thank you that in your coming to this earth and showing us your goodness and your loving kindness that you saved us. Not because of our work or any righteous thing that we've ever done, but all because of your mercy, all because of your completed work. God, help us to respond to you in a way that gives you glory and honor. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen.